This is Darren Davis, founder and senior leader of the Harbor Church in South Florida, and you are listening to the Harbor Church Podcast. For more information about this podcast and others, visit us online at harborchurch.org. Enjoy the podcast. So excited to be back. It's honored to honor to be here. I could just lay on the floor right there just for the rest of the time. Uh, just feel just the weight and the glory and the love uh, from the Lord, from this room, from this family, this place. Even though I see many faces who were uh, here back when my wife and I were members here long ago. A lot of new faces, but dude, consider this place to be home and consider it to, to be family. And, and, and what, what an amazing weekend. Uh, that I get a chance to, to kind of put a bow on. And, and as I was thinking about it last night, uh, Darren and Wendy, that the thought came to mind that you get more of what you celebrate and what you honor. And, and I'm just so encouraged that even with everything that is ahead of this, this church and this leadership for the next 20 years, that you would take a moment, a weekend like this, to celebrate and to honor what has already taken place, and then it builds a faith and an expectation for what's to come. And I'm not even going to be here for it, and I have that faith and expectation. <laughs> and so it's so wonderful, and I'm glad to, to get a chance to be, be a part of it. And, and, and I came here uh, all, all those years ago in 2005 as a life that had been recently transformed by Jesus. I was a new Christian I came to know the Lord on the campus of the University of Kansas, and you know, prior to that, I had been exposed to some expressions of Christianity, but I'd really resolved in my heart that I wasn't going to follow the Lord. Right? I was going to do my own thing, that basketball and the approval and the applause of people was essentially my God. Um, and I had lived the first 20 years of my life with a lot of success athletically, acting like I had it all together externally, but deep on the inside of me, I was longing for something greater to live for than myself and basketball and the applause and the approval of people. And it was interesting that while I was on the campus at KU, just hanging out in between class one day, acting like I had it all together, there was, and I didn't know him at the time, a funny looking white guy came up and sat down next to me began to ask me sincere questions about my life, began to describe how Jesus had transformed his life, and I had never heard anything like that before. I was like, dude, this sounds like a Bible story. Stuff like that actually really happens, and he looked me in the eye, and he said, yes, and Wayne, God wants to do it in your life as well. And I responded, tell me more. And it's interesting because my life, by the way that I was living, by the things that I was pursuing, by my reputation across campus and across it, it looked like my life couldn't have been any further away from God. But man, I was this close. And I'm so grateful that someone had the courage and compassion to walk across campus, to approach someone that didn't look like they looked, that didn't come from where they came from, and to begin to share the love of God with me, my life was forever changed. And so you talk about the humility uh, that, that was shown all those years when I first came here. It was birthed out of an encounter with Jesus because of that. Um, and then fast forward here, I get a chance to, to, to get drafted. And I, I had a short cup of coffee with the, with the Miami Heat, really, really short career. But it was amazing that just like this time is a 20-year anniversary for this church, like, I became a Christian 20 years ago, July 12, 2003, and I got emotional just right there during worship thinking about, wow, 
my life was destined to intersect with this church at a specific time so that I could continue the transformation that took place in my life on campus, that I could continue to help in the transformation of other people, and it's brought us back here today. Isn't that amazing? And you know, that story is not just unique to me because, look, there may be some of you that are wrestling with that. There may be some of you that don't know the Lord. There may be some of you that are pursuing a, a life of, of uh, the approval of people or that you might have a God or something that you've placed priority in your life above the things of the Lord. And guess what? He wants to draw your heart and your life unto him. And there may be some of you here that know someone like that. And I just want to encourage and charge you, will you have the courage and compassion to go and approach that person? We have the boldness and conviction to go and to share the love of Christ with them. They need you. Family member, coworker, a teammate, a neighbor, they need you. And I know this place is certainly built on the foundation of equipping and sending out people that actually go and do that. And so that's so, so good. So during my, our short time here, again, maybe we're here about three years, babe, three years. And it's interesting because we're back in Kansas. We were in campus ministry for 13 years. And I'm, I'm a, a sports executive now working in college athletics back at the University of Kansas. And my wife and I talk about this place. And people are like, wait a minute. You only lived there for like three years. You're talking like you've been there for 15 years. And it's just because of what this place means to us and what it had accomplished in our life. And so it's interesting because I think back and I've had a lot of time to reflect on our time here during my spiritual formation and one of the most moving and important things that was developed in me during my time here was this notion and this reality of prioritizing the purposes of God above my personal preferences. Okay, I just want to give you a little glimpse on what I learned and something that shaped and formed the rest of my journey with Jesus. Okay, so think about this. The importance of prioritizing the purposes of God over our personal preferences. So I remember the first time I came to heart. We're living all the way down in Miami, downtown Miami, Brickle Key. We drive all the way up here. On a Friday night at the invitation of some new friends that we hardly knew, but my wife and I were looking for a church. So we fight the traffic to come all the way up here on a Friday night. Young, newly married couple leaves Miami on a Friday night to come to church. Like, what? <laughs> so we get here. And, you know, again, I've been a Christian two years. My wife has been walking with the Lord a lot longer. We get here and it's like, we're like, man, this is really different. Like, first of all, I prefer when I walk into a church not to be hugged by grown men that I don't know. <laughs> I mean, is that, a, is that a fair and safe preference to have? Like, bro, I don't know you. Why are you hugging me? Like, Troy, I get it, man. Like, I get it. And so then, you know, you see some of the pictures on the, on the slideshow of the old days in the forum, right? And it's kind of a nice... I want to lift my hands in worship without my hands going through the ceiling tiles. Like, I prefer that. That's the way that I prefer to worship the Lord. Like, right? A little space. You know, it was, you know, it's, hey, I, I, I prefer two worship songs, two praise songs, both lasting three minutes max. <laughs> three minutes max. We need announcements, we need to pass the plate, 40-minute message, and then let me get on with my day. That was not the case when we came here. 
So my wife and I get back on 95, we're driving back to Miami, and we're sitting here talking about, whoa, that, that was different. Like, what? Whoa, that was, that was not what we prefer. But it was really interesting. By the time we got to Aventura, it was clear that the Lord said to us, that's where you're supposed to be. That's where you're supposed to be. And it really, our preferences were like offended and there was a collision. And then I, I was reminded of this encounter that I had my freshman year in college. And there's an image that's going to be put up here. I don't, I don't know if anyone knows anything about this dessert experience, right? Does anyone know about this right here? All right. Anyone? Okay, listen, this was my, I don't know how it happened, but this was my preferred choice for high-end dessert for my childhood, okay? And I know we got some younger people that have no idea what, what Jell-O is, but like, just think of, it's the top ramen of desserts. If you, if I can explain it, it's a top, and if you've never had top ramen, like you're not really living. I don't know what's going on. You're not, you're living in a fantasy world. So this is like a 25-cent box dessert. And look at, the, look at what it says. The bare minimum, just add milk, butter, and sugar, and you've got that incredible dessert right there. So somehow I convinced myself during my childhood that this was the preferred dessert experience that all people need to have. And I, you know, birthdays and all types of celebrations. And then something happened. My freshman year in college... We were playing in the preseason NIT in New York City. And one of the things that our coach liked to do, because a lot of us were from some pretty rough areas. I didn't come from a rough area, blue-collar area, but certainly wasn't, um, you know, affluent by any stretch of the imagination. And so when we would go to these cities, he would create experiences for us to be able to enjoy that we'd never had before, maybe that we never would. So we went to this place called Tavern on the Green. Okay, whoa, all right, yeah, okay, yeah. It was like a fairy tale to me. I had no idea. It's like, you know, this, it's on Central Park. It's like, it's a restaurant, like, in a snow globe, and coat and tie, all like, it was, it blew my mind. I had no idea what was happening. Matter of fact, our, I remember our waiter, uh, I got the surf and turf, steak and lobster, never gotten that before, and he asked me if I went, do you want any drawn butter? It's like, what? Like, drawn butter? Like, what is that? And because he said it with the accent, it, like, validated that I needed to get it. So I said, absolutely. <laughs> Bring that out. Brought me to John. Incredible experience. Incredible experience. We get to the dessert. Okay? We get to the dessert. And I scan the dessert menu, and it says, handmade, New York-style cheesecake. And in my mind, I skipped it and went down to the next one because I'm like, no, Jello, the Jello cheesecake, right? No, that was my preferred, right? That was the top level, and it was it was really interesting that somehow I convinced myself to actually take the risk and and try this version of cheesecake. So they brought it out, ornate plate, way too small of a wedge. Stick my fork in it, put it in my mouth, and oh man. Uh, the first bite was incredible. It was amazing. It had exceeded every expectation. 
quickly took a second bite, and what started out as delight then turned into like disgust and frustration, thinking like, I was deceived. I was lied to, thinking my entire life up until that point that the cheesecake experience that I needed was found in a jello box. I cannot believe I had been missing out on this my entire life. And the unique thing happened. I actually, for the first time, experienced the real thing. Okay? Can you guys hear me? Are you guys sensing what's happening right now? I had experienced the real thing. I had experienced more. I had settled in my little preference for that time, but there was so much more out there for me to experience. And guess what? Do you think I've ever gone back and had cheesecake out of a jello box? Hell to the gnaw. Absolutely not. Why? Why? Because I had experienced the real thing. Okay, I had experienced the real thing. And why do I tell that story? Because we are at danger when it comes to settling for a watered-down, marginalized, bare-minimum type of faith because we place the expectation on Jesus that we want him to operate in a way that we prefer. Right? Lord, I prefer you to operate and to work in my life, in my community, in this way. And we settle. We settle. And not only do we settle, but there's a greater danger because when we do that, we then set ourselves up and our own appetites. We set that up as God. And the authority and the power that's due and worthy, the name of Jesus, he doesn't able to operate in that in our life. So that's why it's so important. I learned that here in understanding that, hey, our preferences need to come under the authority of Jesus Christ. And so even as I tell that story, and I'm sure many of you guys have some other preferences, maybe your own preferences, that are starting to come to mind, right? And as that's happening, will you place them at the altar and ask the Lord Jesus to vet them? Will you ask the Lord Jesus, hey, where does this fall in line of the priority of your purposes and your plan and your kingdom for my life and what you're wanting to do in the world around us. I mean, think about, think about what kind of preferences you have and where they have priority in your life. Think about the home fellowship that we were in, all right, at the time. Sunday mornings, we're going up to, to Alan and Eva's house, and I, I'm a Midwestern guy, all right, grew up, in, grew up in Kansas, and so for our home fellowship, we are having chili in August, Okay. Like, okay, I don't know if, like, if anyone else is from the Midwest, but you only have chili in the Midwest when it's below 40 degrees. It was 104 <laughs> in South Florida. Like, no, you know, like, <laughs> that's not my, pr- but hey, what was the greater purpose in that moment had less to do about the meal and my menu preferences and all to do with the fellowship and the communion of believers together. Can you guys hear that? Hey, guess what? My wife knows this. I would prefer to go through each and every day with as few as words spoken as possible. But guess what? The purposes of God require communication. 
they require us to open our mouths and to proclaim and to be bold and to speak truth. So maybe you have a preference of, ah, I'm an introvert. I don't want to speak to like, Does that hold up well with the purposes of God? Does it hold up well? I mean, there, there, there's so many others I think about. I'm cringing right now because of the political season that we're getting ready to get in. Is anyone else kind of cringing and like feel like you're bracing for impact? Oh, I'd just rather not enter into the season and faith and politics and oh, I'd just rather not. But really what it's all about, it's about leadership. This campaign and political seat, it's about leadership. And guess what? The word of God has a lot to say about leadership. And leadership leads to, to, to two things. It either leads to human flourishing or leads to oppression and tyranny. And so guess what? We might prefer to shrink back in this, you know, political season. It could be a lot for a lot of people. But I really believe that God's overarching purpose is for us to be citizens, not only of our local area and region and country here, but also citizens of the kingdom and to appropriate the truths of the Bible into every area of life. Every area of life. And so as we think about it, I feel like you guys got it. All right, so I don't need to drive the point home anymore, but as, as we're considering this, why do we need to place and prioritize God's purposes over our personal preferences? And the answer is really simple. It's because of who he is and what he's done. It's because of who he is and what he's done. Look, it's, 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 it's very, very simple. Sometimes we can just be simple people living in a complicated world. It's because of who God is and what he's done that we should place his word over our lives. Okay. Is anyone else struggling? I know I have where I want to, I want to, I want to stand over the word and look down my nose and pick the things that match up in line with my preferences, my convenience and my choices, and then scoff at the things that maybe rub me wrong and collide with the way that I want to do things. I'm here to tell you that Jesus didn't die for that. All right. Not for us to stand over the word, to look down our nose at it and kind of pick and choose, but man, he desires for our lives to come underneath the weight and the authority of his word that we would submit our lives and bend our knee to the things and to the purposes of God. So, man, as we read our word, as we consider the truths of God and what they say, man, that's the posture of our heart. And, and right now, I just want to peer, I just want to peer into scripture. Uh, I appreciate the messages that are three keys, five steps, seven points, but there's sometimes we just need to open up the word of God and just allow it to look at, look at it. We need to, we need to allow the word of God to read us and to read our heart and to evaluate our heart instead of picking and choosing, uh, some of the things uh, that we, uh, prefer in that. And so here, let's just, let's just turn real quick. We're going to, we're going to camp out in one portion of scripture and and I'll be finished up here, and it's in Colossians chapter 1. And this is so beautiful because this scripture really encapsulates so much of, of the heart of our worship this morning. And I didn't even send what scripture I was going to use over to about 8 o'clock this morning, so I'm, I'm not quite sure that, um, that they're able to peek at it and change the lineup of what they were going to be singing. Uh, but it lines up perfectly with what 
this scripture encapsulates and what it describes. We're going to start here, Colossians chapter 1, and here the Apostle Paul writing to the church in uh, Colossia, and I, I appreciate here in verse 13, it starts out with a thanksgiving prayer for what the Lord is doing there. And here it starts out, and it says, speaking of God the Father, it says that he has delivered us from the dominion of darkness and transferred us into the kingdom of his beloved son in whom we have redemption and forgiveness of sins. Man, it's so packed, it's so dense, it's even there in that, that first verse. But man, I just love how it talks about, man, we have been delivered, we've been rescued We needed deliverance. We needed rescuing. Our lives were ensnared. Our lives were trapped. Our lives were dead apart from the regenerative work of the Holy Spirit in Jesus Christ. All right? So we can't think too highly of ourselves, and we certainly can't think of Jesus Christ as just being an add-on to our life. And that's something I've been meditating on a lot this early fall. It's like, man, is Jesus just an add-on to my life? To, to be able to, you know, help my social standing, to be able to give me a group of friends, to be able to give me a moral code, or does he have full authority? Is he everything in my life? And here we see what the Word of God is saying in that. It says that, man, he's transferred us from the kingdom of darkness, which we were fully ensnared and had zero shot of being setting, our free, or setting ourselves free from, and he transferred us into the kingdom of his beloved son. Right, so there's a transference. He picks us up, and then he's taking us somewhere, all right? He's not just kind of letting us hang out here, have a good moral ethical code until, you know, try to keep it together until you, you know, die and go to heaven one day. But there's actually something that's taking place right here, right now in the kingdom of his beloved son. You know, that word kingdom is kind of a loaded word in, in Christian expressions and, you know, there's conversations. And, well, is it a literal kingdom? Is it a spiritual kingdom? Is it a kingdom here now? Is it a future kingdom? And I really believe the answer is yes. Yes. It is all of those things. It's all of those things. And, and, and I love and appreciate how we worship this morning. And one of the key themes was Jesus is the King of kings and Lord of lords. And when you think about what a kingdom is, it, it, maybe it's helpful just to break it down in simple terms, the king's domain. Okay, the king's domain. King, who's the king? Jesus. Look, I mean, I appreciate that he is the lamb that was slain. I appreciate that Jesus is the lover of our soul. I appreciate all the different identities and things that, that he is to us. But let's not be remiss. He is a king. He is a leader. He is a Lord. There is a place of authority and leadership that we have to give and to submit our lives under. Then it goes on to domain. What is domain? It's far more than just like a physical realm. But I like to think of it as three things. Number one, it is the power or the right to possess. Okay? The right to possess. The earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof, the world and all who dwell in it. And Colossians talks about that a little bit later on, so I won't belabor that point. It also talks about the power to lead. The power to lead. Look, people, I have tried to lead my life on my own, and guess what happens every single time? I wreck it. I drive it into the ground, all right? And I need the leadership of someone else. I need the leadership of a higher authority. I need the leadership of he who created me that knows exactly how I'm to move and operate, to live and have my being, to be able to influence and to drive my life to the direction to which I was created. 
It's one of the beautiful things about the life of Christ is that he led his own life flawlessly that when we can look at his life and his faithfulness, we can say, God, you're trustworthy. Because of the life that you led, now that makes it trustworthy for me to give my life to you. So he has the power to lead. And then finally, I love how it goes on to say that that there is a mission to accomplish. Come on, anyone excited about a mission to accomplish? I just don't want to wait around and, you know, just hang out. Like, man, I want to, I want to be on mission. I want to go accomplish something. We talked about victory and a conquering king. We worshiped that person earlier in worship. Man, let's join our hearts and lives with him as we get a chance to go on mission with him. And I love how as it finishes up here, we song about the preeminence of Christ this morning. And that's what this next portion of scripture is. It's beautiful here, and it goes on to say, it says, He is the image of the invisible God, speaking of Jesus, the firstborn of all creation, for by him all things were created in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities, all things were created through him and for him. And he is before all things, and in him all things hold together. And he is the head of the body, the church. He's the beginning, the firstborn from among the, among the dead, that in everything he might be preeminent, that he might have supremacy, that he might be first place. That's where that word priority comes in, that he might be first place. It's yeah, first place in your heart, in your priorities, in your scheduling, in your attention, in your heart's affection. That is where he belongs and what he deserves. It goes on to say that for in him, all the fullness of God was pleased to dwell and through him to reconcile to himself all things, whether on earth or in heaven, by making peace through his bloodshed on the cross. Now, look, I'm, I'm, no, I'm no Bible scholar. I got no MDiv. I'm not well versed in the Greek or the Hebrew, but I do know this. We see that word repeated time and time again in that short picture. And I do know this, that word all means all, (laughs) right? Any language, any season of life, okay, any, any, any translation of the Bible, that word all means all. And so as we're thinking about submitting our lives to Jesus, is it just a portion of it or is it everything? And it has to be all. Why? Because he gave it all. And so as we're transitioning into this next season individually and as a collective house here at the harbor, it's so important that hopefully you would learn like I did all those years ago, and I still march by this beat each and every day. God, I want your purposes to prevail in my life. Lord, help not my preferences to get ahead of what you're trying to do. But Lord, I want your purposes to prevail. I want to submit my life. And, and as I finish up here, think about the stories that kind of book in the gospel. I think about someone like Mary. That in Luke chapter 1, as the angel Gabriel visited her, gave her a pretty significant calling, but something with a lot of weight, something that probably wasn't her preferred means to her teenage years, let alone her life. And I love her response. Behold, Lord, I'm your servant. Be it unto me according to your word. Will that be our heart's posture? 
Well, that'd be our heart's cry as the Lord presents to us his purposes that might collide with what we prefer to do. Fast forward that all the way to the end of the life of Christ. As we're thinking of him in the Garden of Gethsemane, down on his face, sweating drops of blood, knowing what's to come, probably wasn't his preference to be betrayed, to be mocked, to be brutally beaten. He knew that was on the horizon. Actually asked the Father, Father, if it's your will, let this cup pass from me. But he didn't stop there. Not my will be done, but let your will be done. Man, may that be the posture of our heart as we're moving into the season. Allow God's purposes to reign in our life. Father God, we just ask that you would just seal this word in our heart here this morning. Lord, thank you for this church. Thank you for this house. Thank you for the 20 years up until this point. Oh, Lord, we're so expectant for all the incredible and mighty things that are to come. Lord, but they have no chance of happening unless the posture of our heart is positioned in a way where you are preeminent, where you're supreme, where you're number one. I mean, that be established in our hearts this morning. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thanks for tuning in to the Harbor Church Podcast. I hope that you were enriched, inspired, and blessed by what you heard. Please subscribe on the podcast app and be sure to follow us on Instagram, YouTube, Facebook, and Twitter. You can also download our Harbor Church mobile app. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you next time.